From the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Hello, this is David Taylor at the Library of Congress. Saturday, August 30th, will mark the 14th year that book lovers of all ages have gathered in Washington, D.C. to celebrate the written word at the Library of Congress National Book Festival. The festival, which is free and open to the public, will hold evening hours for the first time this year. It will also be in a new location, the Walter E. Washington Convention Center here in Washington, D.C. The book festival's hours will be from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And for more details, please visit our website, which is at www.loc.gov backslash bookfest. That's B-O-O-K-F-E-S-T. And now it's my pleasure to introduce Kai Bird, whose latest book is titled The Good Spy, The Life and Death of Robert Ames. Mr. Bird's previous work includes outstanding books about John J. McCloy, George and William Bundy, and J. Robert Oppenheimer. The Oppenheimer book, titled American Prometheus, won a Pulitzer Prize. Kai Bird, thank you for joining us today. Well, David, it's terrific to be with you. Here's a fundamental first question. Who was Robert Ames? Oh, Bob Ames, Robert Ames was a CIA officer, a clandestine officer, from 1960 until he was killed in Beirut in 1983. And he was, as my book is entitled, The Good Spy, he was actually a very decent, good human being and actually a very good spy at his work. Now, I understand from reading your book, uh, you had a personal connection to Ames. Could you tell us about that? Yes, um, I have sort of very vivid childhood memories of him. When I was 11, 12, and 13 years old, he was our next-door neighbor. And this was in Dahran, Saudi Arabia, where my father was a foreign service officer posted there. And we were living on a very windswept desert compound with only about, oh, 20 houses on it. And... Uh, Bob Ames was next door as our neighbor. I didn't know he was a CIA officer at the time, but um, my father later told me this. And, and so I have vivid memories of this very tall, handsome, six foot three guy who was in his late 20s and loved to play basketball across the street with the local Marine squad that guarded the compound. Was his family with him at that time? Oh, yes. He had his wife, Yvonne, and two young babies, girls at the time. He later had six children altogether. But I, I, I knew Yvonne, who was a very pretty blonde woman who looked like Lee Volman. And, um, and you know, they were just a very pleasant couple in this very exotic, strange locale, Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. What is it that motivated you to write this particular book? Well, in, many years later, of course, I read in the newspapers about the terrible truck bomb that plowed into the U.S. Embassy in Beirut in, on April 18, 1983, and killed Bob Ames and seven other CIA officers, wiping out the whole CIA station, but also killing a total of 17 Americans and 46 Lebanese. Um, you know, it was the first big truck bomb attack on a U.S. embassy abroad, and I remember this 
reading about his tragic death and you know wondering what ha- what had happened to him and how this truck bomb had had uh, you know who who was behind it. Um, so that was initially the idea was to do an investigation of the the attack on the Beirut embassy bombing, which is a largely forgotten episode. Most Americans remember the attack on the U.S. Marine barracks in Lebanon, which happened six months later, but the embassy is sort of a a forgotten prelude to this terrible attack on the Marine barracks. Tell us about how you went about the research and, and writing that you did for this book. Well, initially, I, I just thought I was going to start out. I, I, I was going to do a, a book about the embassy bombing, and as I got into it, I, you know, was able to contact Robert Ames's widow, Yvonne, who lives in a small town in North Carolina, and I went and interviewed her, and and she showed me the family scrapbook, and eventually she showed me letters that Bob Ames had written to her over the years and and then I began contacting a number of his colleagues and uh, you know while I initially I didn't think I could do a full-blown biography of a CIA officer because you know everything is classified uh, eventually I realized that there were all sorts of Ames's former colleagues who were eager to talk they had fond memories of this man and thought he had died tragically and and was a sort of legendary CIA officer and they wanted his story told so they they began sort of talking to me willy-nilly with without regard to these 30 and 40 year old secrets and uh, so the more they talked the more I realized that I could indeed do a full-blown biography and in the end I guess I talked to um, more than 40 CIA officers, and most all, all, almost all of them retired, and uh, four Mossad, Israeli Mossad spies who were also retired, who had known Ames and dealt with him over the years, and uh, I found very few documents as such, so the book was mainly done from interviews, but it it was a lot of fun to talk to these old retired spies, and the book, I think, shows how much fun I had writing it. <laughs> Tell us more about that. What was fun about it? Well, these these old guys, some women actually, um, had led fascinating careers, and they wanted these stories told. They were at a point in their lives, they were often in their 70s and 80s, where they wanted to tell their story. And, you know, what emerges is sort of a a much more realistic picture of what it's like to be a CIA officer. You know, Bob Ames was not a, he was no James Bond. Um, He did indeed have to carry a pistol in his belt occasionally in dangerous places like Aden when it was going through a revolution and, and Beirut during the Civil War, but he hated guns. Um, he was a man who actually uh, had very few enemies, and he was a man who understood the Middle East, and, and he was good at his job precisely because he was very empathetic to Arab culture and generally to, 
of people. He, he wanted to understand their stories, and so he studied Arabic and became fluent in it. He could read a newspaper. He could carry on a conversation in Arabic on politics, which is, you know, very unusual. Even today for a, a clandestine CIA officer, they're, they're really just a handful who are capable of doing this today. And so in, in the 1970s and 80s, it was, it was very rare as well. Anyway, he was good at his job, and I learned that being a spy is really about human empathy and about the ability to um, listen and um, be empathetic to the plight of other people, often in a very dangerous neighborhood like the Middle East. Is that one of the principal messages that you're hoping that people will come away with after reading your book? Yeah, I want them to understand through the life and career of Robert Ames that um, human intelligence, as opposed to signal intelligence, uh, intercept intelligence, is just as valuable, if not more valuable, than all all these intercepts as such. You know, we've in recent years, of course, in the news, there, we've been reading all about the NSA and Edward Snowden and wiretaps and and the NSA's ability to intercept emails and telephone conversations. But uh, I think if you read The Good Spy, you'll come away with many sort of second thoughts about all the value of all that in the absence of human intelligence, where you have actually a, people on the ground trying to understand motivations and uh, intentions and, you know, you can't find out human motivations and intentions through intercept intelligence. You have to sit down over a cup of coffee or a beer or a, a hookah pipe and listen to people and un try to understand what makes them tick. And Robert Ames is very good at that. And uh, I believe that if the, something like the CIA has a role to play, uh, it's not in the role, in, not in the field of paramilitary intelligence, which is better left to the military, it's, uh, their role is, is to go where diplomats, foreign service officers, cannot go. So they, you know, they go into dangerous neighborhoods as such, and they get to know people who are troubled, and also sometimes form relationships with people who are... Uh, dangerous terrorists. I mean, Bob Ames ended up hanging out with someone like Ali Hassan Salameh, who was Yasser Arafat's right-hand man, his intelligence chief, his chief bodyguard at one point. Uh, this Salameh was a young man in his late 20s. He wore a gun. He was associated with Black September and perhaps the tragedy in Munich where 11 Israeli athletes were killed. Um, and yet Ames, through his relationship with Salama, was able to influence the PLO and Arafat into thinking about laying down the gun and talking about a political solution to Palestinian aspirations. And so in a certain sense, he helped to plant the seeds of the peace process of what came to fruition in Oslo and yet is now still stymied. Um, but everyone in the CIA that I talked to regarded Robert Ames 
um, as the man who had planted the seeds of the process, where he got the Palestinians to talk to the Americans and eventually the Palestinians to, into uh, a relationship, a, a conversation with the Israelis. And that's the beginning of the peace process. Mm-hmm. You talked about Salome, who's clearly a, a leading character in your book. Another person who emerges is Mustafa Zain. Can you tell us about him? Ah, Mustafa is a great character. Mustafa Zain was um, not an agent. He never accepted a dime from the U.S. government or the CIA, but he had, as a young Lebanese teenager, he had come to America on an exchange program and spent his senior year in high school in a small town in Illinois. And he fell in love with all things American. And when he was back in the Middle East, he eventually befriended Robert Ames. And, you know, they they were sort of an unlikely pair. Um, but Salama saw an opportunity, mean, I'm sorry, Mustafa Zain and his friend Ali Hassan Salama, the PLO intelligence chief, saw an opportunity through their relationship with Robert Ames to cultivate the uh, sort of back channel to Washington, to the American government. And uh, that was, uh, that began to happen as early as 1969. And so Mustafa Zain set up the initial contacts and sort of helped Ames to cultivate this uh, relationship with Ali Hassan Salame. Uh, who was initially probably, in, at least in Ames's mind, uh, a target for recruitment. Uh, that's what CIA clandestine officers sometimes try to do, is to recruit people. But Ames quickly realized that uh, someone like Salome was unrecruitable, was unwilling to take money or sign a contract, but that he was uh, a man who was willing to form a back channel, who was willing to... Um, exchange information, um, and this became a very important back channel from about 1969 through 1979 until one day in Beirut in January of 79, Ali Hassan Salame was killed by a car bomb um, triggered by a Mossad agent. Now, speaking of back channels, um, one of the surprises of your book, or surprise to me certainly, has to do with the U.S. back channel to the PLO. Can you tell us a little more about Bob Ames's role in that? Well, as I said, it began in 1969 at a time when Henry Kissinger, President Nixon's national security advisor, had promised the Israelis that the U.S. government would have no relationship with the PLO, which the Israelis and the Americans regarded as a terrorist organization. But the PLO in 1969, as early as 1969, was a major player in things Middle Eastern. And if U.S. diplomats couldn't talk to people in in the PLO and the Palestinian community, that was actually exactly what CIA officers should be doing. So Ames actually created this this back channel by meeting with Ali Hassan Salame through Mustafa Zain, his sort of sidekick at the time, uh, in a cafe in Beirut and developed the relationship. And uh, 
it became very important to uh, the U.S. government, particularly as the Beirut, the Lebanon civil war b- began, and uh, Salomon and the PLO, through this relationship with Ames, gave security guarantees to the Americans living in Beirut and protected the U.S. Embassy in the midst of the Civil War. And also the relationship was used um, to exchange information about um, other terrorists that were enemies of both Arafat and the United States, people like Abu Nidal, a sort of Palestinian-Iraqi renegade, and uh, they prevented some terrorist incidents from happening through the use of this back channel, through the intelligence that came from Salome. Mm -hmm. Now, your book, The Good Spy, The Life and Death of Robert Ames, has been out for a little while. What's been the response to it so far? Oh, I've gotten terrific reviews in the New York Times and the Washington Post and the London Spectator and the London Sunday Times and the Dallas Morning Herald, and I've been interviewed on the Charlie Rose Show and uh, the Wolf Blitzer CNN Show, and uh, all things considered, it's really quite extraordinary. I I guess people love a good spy story, and um, in this instance, it's, it's a spy story, but a true one, so it's not a novel, and it makes it all the more intriguing to people. And uh, I think I was, you know, really quite fortunate to be able to uncover as as many um, old 30- and 40-year-old secrets as I could. Not that anything I reveal is, I I, I don't think there's anything I reveal is uh, damaging to national security by any definition, but these these are old secrets, and yet, there are secrets that we should now know about. It's really critical to understand the Middle East, to know that the history of the relationship between the CIA and the PLO going back 40 years, and that helps us to have an understanding of our current dilemmas in this troubled region of the world. Well, I think we'll end on that perfect note. And I want to thank you, uh, Kai Bird, very much for being with us. And we look forward to seeing you on Saturday, August 30th, in the History and Biography Pavilion at the National Book Festival at the Washington Convention Center here in Washington to hear more stories about this book uh, and other observations of your life as a writer. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to it. The festival is one of my favorite events. See you then. This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.